back. And by we, I mean me and you. That I'm thankful for letting me into your ears with the first episode of Give and Take of 2022. I can't believe I actually got the year right on the first try. Thankful for a new year. Thankful for the same people going into the new year. But also, thankful for new people going into the new year. I know that my only real resolution is not to allow the people that cause me emotional grief to re-enter my life by my own doing again. But the unofficial resolution was about being more intentional with solidifying relationships with people from afar, but more specifically, building relationships with people here in Atlanta. I feel like I've been lackadaisical on that aspect of my life going so far since I moved here in 2022. In 2020, sorry, I added a year there. You'll hear in a later episode in the series talking about how me and Jamar over the last year have just understand that we love dance. We really do. But dance does not mean our social needs that we have now, not the way that they used to be. So I'm working on being a little bit more intentional about going around and meeting more people and hanging out with more people here in Atlanta, building those relationships so that I can actually say that I have friends here. Last weekend was a really good opportunity to just embrace and enjoy the company of new people around this area. There are actually two individuals from the dance scene that invited me to go out and do things with no different groups of people. One guy invited me to a boys' night, which, if I'm going to be honest, that deserves a podcast on its own, if I'm being honest. Nothing says boys' night like throwing axes and booze and talking about, actually, a lot of our feelings. It got really deep. Appreciate that. And then the next day, I went hiking on a mountain on the second highest peak in Georgia. I almost said Virginia. I don't live there anymore. Anyways, those were fantastic. But. Let's get back on track because we know why you're here. My dating life or the lack thereof. Because let's be honest, meeting people is hard. Meeting people in Atlanta that don't feel shallow, even harder. Meeting people whipped up in Atlanta during a pandemic was one of the hardest things I had to do. Now, honestly, it's not that hard, but only if you're reckless. Tell me how I have had asked for the results of more COVID tests than I've seen of STD tests of partners. So that's an interesting life we live right now, regardless. Meeting people in Atlanta, it's been chaos, So, but I want to show tell you a story about What may be the most shallowest person, that's not a word, the most shallow person I've engaged with since I moved down here in Atlanta. First of all, I feel like vegans get a bad rap, but at the same time, we all get where that reputation comes from. The idea that being a vegan isn't just a personality type, it's the dominant personality type amongst vegans. So tell me why I match with this person and on their dating site, everything about them, from their fashion to their choice to move to Atlanta, to the fact that their dream relocation area is California, is based on the fact that she's vegan. She said very specifically that she she can dream, she imagines herself being in California because the vegan food is so dope and it's so accessible as if there aren't very many, very plentiful, very delicious vegan options all over the area in Atlanta. I feel like 
in America, resources are not so scarce that if you live in a major city, you can't find vegan options everywhere. I do recognize that vegan food is more accessible in California. It's, it dwarfs everywhere else on the planet, to be fair. But at the same time, I just feel like that's just such a silly thing. She was so ready to go to California based on never living there just for the vegan food. Second, I feel like anybody that's text me knows that I have an Android phone because most of the people who text me have iPhones and their iPhones uh, are ran by a company, Apple, who decided that they're just going to be technological elitists by creating this green dot versus blue dot debate, which honestly makes me terrified to just text any of my group chats. I have friends from undergrad and I have friends from one of my first jobs who to this day ask Alan, when are you going to get a what's that thing called an android no an iphone and i say never probably i don't really care are you gonna pay for it i just am not interested in having an iphone i feel like the technology outdates itself yes the pictures and the videos are better but i don't really care about that as much and but tell me why one of her first messages actually her first message because bumble allows women to send messages first it says do you have a blue dot diamond emoji or do you have a green dot barf emoji and i'm like what is this what is what is that stupid question it really did make me want to bail on it immediately it seems so dumb but i i heard my mother in the back of my mind saying i need to give be patient give a little bit more time and a little bit of uh, leniency not leniency just try and be patient with people, even if they come across as very dumb for dumb reasons. And I was like, you know what? Maybe there's a conversation here. Maybe they're not a complete idiot. I was wrong. Because the third and most important thing that really made it stand out that this may be one of the most shallow, foolish people I've ever talked to. Anyone that's talked to me about why I moved to Atlanta has probably heard me at some point say one of the biggest influences is the fact that Atlanta has a lot of black folk. And Growing up, I didn't have a lot of black folk around me. I had my family. I had people on my teams. But in reality, if I wanted to be surrounded by black people or to feel like I'm not one of three black faces in a lot of white spaces, we had to explicitly create those black spaces, whether it be in the church, whether it be in the organizations, whether it be in the community theater that I was a part of in Charlottesville. You have to explicitly build those things. And here, I don't have to build anything. I can walk down the street, I can go to the store, I can go to any part of town. It's not that it's all black, but it's that black presence, black excellence, black livelihood is present everywhere here. And that is so much, that's so much to enjoy. You really have to, if you, if you are listening to this and you've never felt like a complete outsider 90% of your life or any time that you're not at your home, you might not understand what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, that is important. Now, that being said, that being said, so when I say that's why I moved to Atlanta, that's why it's important that I live here. Tell me why this person says that she moved from Charlotte, North Carolina, and also very black represented area city. She moved from there to Atlanta. And as I'm hyping up my experience of being around all these melanated folk, she says, sometimes I think Atlanta is too black. And I'm just like, what? What? 
does that even mean? Tell me what does it mean to be too black and specifically because she's a black woman. This is a black woman I'm talking to. I never imagined that. This is a black woman that I'm referring to who moved to Atlanta and as if she didn't know that this is one of the blackest cities in the country. In the, well, not in the world, but in the country. Uh, Chocolate City, some will call it. And it was just one of the greatest red flags because her relationship with her blackness just seems so out of sorts. You may have heard the phrase Oreo. Maybe you were called an Oreo at some point in your life. The idea that you are black on the inside, only in appearance, but you act white. Maybe it's because you speak well. Maybe it's because you're smart. Maybe because you're articulate. You're polite. Maybe it's because you uh, clean up well. Maybe it's because you are an attractive black person and you and this person has explicitly said, I'm normally not into black guys, but you, I like you. It's like, Oh, goodness, the people that say, you're my best black friend. Brooke, I'm your only black friend. Uh, what else were the uh, occasions, the options? Just being called an Oreo is such an insult because it's not so much being a product of your environment that they're discussing. It's the fact that they're saying you are ignoring who you are and you act a different way. And that has nothing to do with the fact that... that they're saying that appearances for, uh, impact how you act. And they're saying, even though I'm black, I am also smart. Even though I'm black, I speak well. Which is so infuriating because what does that have to do with the melanation of the one person's skin? If we're talking about my intelligence, if we're talking about my environment, that's one thing. But we're just specifically saying, oh, you're so articulate. Oh, I'm so surprised you got into UVA just because I'm black. These are things that I've grown up with. So for someone to say that they are an orange because she loves the idea that she's black on the outside, white on the inside, that she's an Oreo. I call myself an Oreo. This this black woman that said, you know, sometimes Atlanta's too black. Oh, that was a time to run. Truly had to run in. That was, and before I get too consumed with that one person that truly irritated me, infuriated me at one point, just keep in mind, this is the one time I blocked someone. This is the one time I go to somebody and I never spoke to him again because that was truly one of the shallowest people I've ever met. And actually, I had to take a decent break from dating after that. I mean, just because it was just one of the dumbest interactions I ever dealt with. It was honestly not worth the headache, the idea of trying to find a mate, especially because I'm just not in the right headspace right now to find that. But you listened to me rant a little bit too long on this one topic. Let's hear what my buddy Jamar has to say in our third uh, portion of a conversation with my brother. When we talk about where we are with our dating prospects, our dating intentions, and what we're seeking out there in our partnerships. Um, as far as me, like, like I said, I'm taking a hiatus. I have, um, I don't know. I feel like I've been emotionally distant and like just emotionally unavailable, and I think that's something to keep in mind. I've and I've tried, you know, various attempts at like. Uh, foster boyfriends or like casual things and i don't really have the attention span for that either your, your head tilted when i said the word foster boyfriend yeah um, say, what is that is that uh, a gen z thing i've never heard that term before it might have been a gen z uh 
internet person that I brought the idea to my attention. Uh, more or less, it's the kind of the idea that like I am willing to provide many of the experiences and services related to being a significant other to someone until you are able to find your forever home or someone that you actually like. Um, so kind of like a like a unofficial trick. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes, um, you know, a cuddle, a cuddy buddy, um, you know, friends with benefit, a, cu- a cuffing season, a partner, whatever you want to call it. And I had a handful of people that were interested, but um, and then I had a handful of people that I was actually trying to go out on dates with and like be more legitimate with them. Everything, everything kind of just didn't work out it was a combination of lack of interest for me lack of attraction for me uh um lack of wanting to interact with these personalities and i felt like i was i was trying to give too much attention to too many locations simultaneously and that that instantaneously burned me out and so i went from like oh i'm trying to like you know interact with three to five people to i don't have the capacity to flirt with one um so right now just i'm really trying to focus more on the job hunt and um you know any applications and interviews coming up um i started some uh substitute teaching to get something new onto my resume more academic uh centric um and also just to you know get a little bit less of the wear and tear on my car down uh but in general just um like like you said kind of like how you took a step back from the dancing I recognize that dancing provides a social need that I need, but dating was, you know, taking away quality time, you know, some recharge time, some time I need on applications, some time I could be working, uh, what what have you. And so I really, I said, you know, this is not a priority. This is not a priority right now, especially because it's very few and far between that I actually interact with someone that I actually want to commit real effort for so until i'm ready to give a stranger some real effort go take a break yeah and that makes sense one it it's one last thing that you have to do in terms of focusing and then i know i've spoken about this before and i've spoken about this with the women i've dated before um i took a break in terms of seriously pursuing dating for a good amount of time also during that 2018 2021 time well 2021 2020 time frame and a lot of that was because of the uncertainty on the job situation part of it is this there is a certain quality of life that's almost expected of you once you get to a certain age from the women that you're dating it was like yeah like it's it feels awkward when it's like i want to be able to provide this, but I can't because of the circumstances at the time. It's not because of a lack of desire or capacity, but it's literally just the timing of everything. So for a while, I, I felt you in terms of that, that awkwardness that feels like, it's like I want to present myself as being able to not only like see what I bring to the table, but I want to bring the whole table. And, yeah. it's like, and then maybe part of me, I've also been realizing this part of me is low-key hyper-competitive but my hyper-competitive comes out in the sense of not being boisterous about it, but being more quiet. It's like, all right, no matter what you tell me, I'm going to do more than twice the amount that you told me to. And then I'm going to show you that I did this more than you thought I would do it. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a, a 
like a wanting to stunt on these people and that's come out multiple times in multiple ways and i need to figure that out a little bit but um part of it's that too it's like oh your ex guy did xyz for you well i'm gonna do that twice over plus more on top of that right so there was yeah. so there was like a little bit of a quality of life thing and then a lot of it was a focus thing and just again getting into something that Unfortunately, dating is a status thing too. Like women will look at you. And I think that's where the travel aspect comes in. It's like women will look at you with where's your status at if you're not within a certain age. Like if you're both an undergrad, then you kind of have the expectation of potential in terms of seeing where you're going to go and what you're going to make of yourself. But once you get past a certain time frame, it's like, okay they're expecting you to be at a certain level and that's different for different people because people come from different circumstances things happen at different levels yada 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 but there's a little bit i i found that there's a little bit less grace that's given to the potential once you get to a certain age because there's almost an expectation that why don't you have xyz yet yeah no it's really i i recognize you know i've learned to say it without being as deliberate but i've established like the one thing that i really need to do for me to feel more comfortable dating is to find a stable job is to have a job title that brings me some level of satisfaction even if the paycheck for the assistant director for the preschool job isn't as great as i would want it to be it's stability and that's really what i'm looking for and i feel like that's really what's necessary for me to approach dating more earnestly more earnestly like uh, and that's kind of why I feel, and I, you know, I've, rec- I've been analyzing my relationships with a lot of women lately, you know, recognizing like how I'm able to be so casually flirtatious with people who've been my friends or maintaining friendships that still have a level of like sexual tension between them. And I think it's just like, because I am, I recognize that there's a level of me, that's part of me that I, I don't feel comfortable like pursuing someone right now because I, of that aspect of my life that's not stable. So I am comfortable like getting to know them on another level and always leaving the door open for like, what if they decide they have feelings for me even while things aren't coming together like I want them to? Or uh, what if things finally come together and I can finally like make that next jump? We've already had this rapport building for a while. And, you know, I, and whether or not that's good or whether or not that's a sustainable, that's to be determined. But I really do think that understanding a little better, like what, how that motivate those motivating factors of my relationships with women will better, just help me better understand what it is I'm looking for long-term. You know, I've always been seeking, you know, certain relationships since moving here. And I think a lot of that is me um, seeking more intimate and personal friendships and at one point you're trying to replace those with dating and that's almost like trying to make your significant other your therapist it's just not really working because you're not you're not really finding or looking for exactly what you're doing you're just trying to fill a hole with something um and then trying to find those friendships where you can like have that level of uh flirtatious banter that you normally get with dating you know, that doesn't fill the void either because you're trying to do this with people that don't know you in a new space. That's really difficult. I'm trying to recreate what I had in Charlottesville in under a year. And that's not feasible. That's not feasible at all. 
Um, so it's just like recognizing that, you know, okay, I need to, I need to take a step back and really process what it is I'm looking for. Um, you had mentioned earlier, you know, your, uh, your, the things you're talking about in therapy. And I've, I may have mentioned before, you know, I haven't gone back to therapy since moving here. And I recognize, I've recognized recently that one reason why I desperate, I definitely need to like, and I am right now in the process of looking for a therapist is I need to find outlets uh, for getting all this off my chest that are not friends, kind of like the original reason why I went to therapy, uh, but also just recognizing that, you know, there's certain relationships or certain things that I can't really hash out or va uh, validate without outside intervention. And I feel like recently I've just become so dependent on external validation or external engagement with certain aspects of my mental health or what's going on in my personal life. I think that that is just, that's just going to continue a perpetual cycle of deterioration in that sense, because I'm not really able to establish, hey, what is working or what is, is this good for me? Is it a good way of going about it? Because I'm still seeking, trying to engage with people um that aren't really in a they're not in a situation where they can really offer the best type of advice or they're going to give unbiased uh insights um so yeah definitely going to therapy and i think therapy jobs those really help in terms of like establishing what it is i'm looking for in relationships both platonic and intimate and mm -hmm. you know i i commend you you know once again you know as you get things more together and you start build, you continue to build towards that goal of, of striving and thriving, um, you're able to, you know, open yourself out more and you, that you're really laying down the foundation for what I know is capable for me and what I really need to do to get to that point myself. And that's our show. I want to thank Jamal for sitting down with us. Shout out to G. Allen for producing the show. G. Allen, our host. And all y'all for supporting us. Rate and review, give and take, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, give and take, five stars. If you give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll catch you next time. Peace.